Rojbaş, this is the Kurdish edition podcast and I'm your host Sardar Saadi. Welcome to the second episode of the Kurdish edition podcast. Uh, since the launch of the podcast, uh, the first episode has been shared widely and welcomed uh, by many people around. Uh, I'm truly honored by all of your support and I would like to extend my gratitude to anyone who shared uh, the first episode, uh, who listened to it and uh, who encouraged me in this uh, initiative. Uh, this episode uh, consists of two parts. Uh, in the first part, I will uh, add uh, some notes to the first episode's topic, which was the history of Kurdish radios. In the second part, I will discuss the current political situation in Iraq and in Bashur or Iraqi Kurdistan with the journalists from the region Kamal Chomani. Uh, after publishing the podcast on the history of Kurdish radios, I received a large number of messages and emails from different people with their own stories of uh, Kurdish radios and some new uh, information and resources about uh, uh, first recorded Kurdish sounds, uh, some other Kurdish radios and uh, some people who work in those uh, radios. Some of these resources are in other languages or from TV and radio programs that uh, I could not have access to or I was not aware of in my brief research for the first episode. So before going on with the second uh, episode uh, and the main uh, topic of the second episode, which is uh, um, the interview with Kamal, uh, I felt it is important to include the information that I received. And uh, more importantly, I was actually able to finally get a hold of uh, uh, Mr. Hassan Qazi to have a quick chat with him about the first episode of the podcast and the history of uh, Kurdish radios. Uh, Hassan Qazi is a Kurdish veteran journalist who is the host and producer of a popular Kurdish talk show called Ravej on the Kurdish television Sterk TV. One very important detail that he gave me was uh, about uh, one of the earliest recorded uh, Kurdish audio that belongs to uh, uh, one of his relatives, Mirza Javad Qazi. Uh, Mirza, uh, Mirza Jawad Qazi's story is uh, by itself a very incredible one and needs a whole episode. Uh, and this recorded uh, uh, audio is him uh, singing a beautiful romantic poem by uh, the great Kurdish poet Nali. It was recorded by uh, a German ethnologist and linguist named Oskar Mann in Berlin in June 1908, 111 years ago. Oskar Mann came to know Mirza Javad in one of his trips to Iran in 1903 uh, in Mahabad, formerly known as Sarjublaq, uh, which is my hometown. Uh, Mirza Javad became uh, Oskar Mann's assistant and uh, he later moved to Germany to help him uh, to help Oskar Mann in translating the collected materials and for uh, his own academic studies, where he finished his uh, PhD degree in law in 1917. Uh, Oskar Mann collected hundreds of Kurdish oral uh, folklore songs and uh, stories uh, uh, from the region, from the Kurdistan uh, region in Iran. And uh, there is actually uh, an extensive study by a Kurdish scholar, Mushtaba Kulivant, uh, who has published his uh, studies 
in German uh, about Oskar Mann and his work in Kurdistan and other parts of the Middle East region. So this is that song by uh, Mirza Jawad Qazi. And uh, a while later, I was uh, informed by another person, and actually on Twitter, about uh, another incredible source that I was not aware of. Uh, and it's uh, an article by Robert F. Riegel. I'm not sure about the pronunciation of his last name, though. It's uh, The article is called A Brief History of Kurdish Music Recordings in Turkey. In this article... Uh, Riegel says that a German archaeologist and anthropologist named Felix von Lushan uh, recorded the earliest uh, Kurdish songs in Turkey. Von Lushan traveled to an excavation site in Zincirli near Gaziantep, uh, which is a big city uh, in the Kurdish region of Turkey, uh, where on March 1st, 1902, he recorded some uh, Kurdish songs on wax cylinders. Uh, an earliest technology of recording uh, and those Kurdish songs include this death uh, uh, lament uh, uh, by the Kurdish singer Abdal Ali take a listen to this song Um, so apparently uh, today the Berlin Phonogram Archive, uh, part of the Stadtlich Museum zu Berlin, holds this uh, this recorded uh, songs and some other Kurdish recordings, including the ones recorded from uh, Mirza Jawad Qazi. Uh, in terms of Kurdish radios, uh, Hassan Qazi gave me some invaluable new information about uh, some of the last known uh, Kurdish radios. I talked to uh, Hassan on phone, but the quality of the sound that I recorded from uh, our conversation is unfortunately not so good. Uh, so let me just uh, briefly mention uh, what he said about uh, uh, these two other important radios uh, and I will later include a very short clip of our recorded conversation. Uh, the first radio is a Kurdish program broadcast in uh, Tabriz during the national government of Azerbaijan uh, that came to existence in 1946 
parallel to the Kurdish Republic in Mahabad. Uh, this radio broadcasts uh, three times uh, a week in Kurdish. And the Kurdish poet and writer Hajar used to work in this radio. Hajar retells uh, uh, his involvement uh, uh, with this radio in his memoir uh, called Cheshti Mijer. And in Cheshti Mijer, uh, he also gives some uh, great details about uh, other Kurdish radios, such as the voice of Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, Dengi Kurdistan Iraq, uh, which I talked about in the, the first episode, a radio station by the Iraqi Kurdistan Democratic Party led by Mullah Mustafa Barzani. Uh, the second radio that uh, Hassan Qazi told me about is Radio Komal, or as it is known in the uh, Mahabad region, Mukriyan, uh, Radio Daza. And Daza here means uh, uh, clandestine or illegal, because it was clandestine and general public uh, did not know of uh, its venue. The radio belonged to uh, the Democratic Party of Azerbaijan in the Soviet uh, uh, Union during that time. And people like uh, Rahim Qazi, uh, Ali Galavish, Sultan Vatamishi worked in this uh, radio. Uh, Mullah Mustafa Barzani sent a message to the Kurdish people from this radio in 1948. Uh, this radio lasted more than six years uh, and here's... Uh, what uh, Hassan Khazi told me about this radio. Radio Deza or Radio Komal, which uh, used to be broadcast from Baku, Azerbaijan. According to a letter written by the uh, those who were involved, Rahim Khazi, Ali Galavish, Sultan Vatemishi, and many others, they uh, these broadcasts started in November 1947, and it lasted until the August 1953. It means more than six years. So it's very important because here we have the exact date. And was it so only in Kurdish or? Uh, um, in yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they speak about the Kurdish one. Yeah. It started in November 1946 to the August of 1953. And uh, one last correction in regard to the episode on the history of Kurdish radios is the reference to. Uh, Abdurrahman Qasim Lu's involvement in today party's radio, Radio PK Iran, uh, which I obtained actually from two uh, different sources, but based on the new information from Hassan Ghazi, it is not correct. Uh, Qasim Lu indeed was involved in different uh, forms of publications for today party in Europe, but uh, he was not involved with uh, Radio PK Iran. And instead, uh, some other people like Hassan Qazalji, Ali Galavij and uh, uh, Kurdish writer Karim Hassami were some of the broadcasters of uh, the Kurdish uh, part of Radio PK Iran. Shingi Nigaka, 
This was uh, Joani Benal, a song by Qadr Dilan, one of the pioneers of the modern Kurdish music. In the second part of this episode, I interview Kamal Chomani about uh, both the state of uh, critique in Kurdistan as well as the current political situation in Iraq and in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, especially uh, after the two very important elections that happened in Iraq. The first one was the general elections in Iraq in May and the second one uh, was the parliamentary elections in Iraqi Kurdistan in September. Uh, Kamal Chomani is a Kurdish political analyst uh, writing on the political uh, affairs of uh, Kurdistan and Iraq. He's a non-resident fellow at the Tahrir Institute for the Middle East Policy. He co-founded the Kurdish Policy Foundation in 2015. Chomani studied MA in English Literature and Postcolonial Studies at Bangalore University in India. His writings have appeared on the Foreign Policy, El Monitor, Jadalia, The Kurdistan Tribune, Weekly Avena, Daily Hawlati, Levine, uh, and uh, so on. He is currently residing in, in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, I recorded this episode uh, when Kamal was in Toronto in October 2018. 18 to attend the first International Kurdish Studies Symposium at the University of Toronto. Uh, this interview is a bit long, uh, almost one and a half hour, but I would strongly recommend listening to the whole interview as Kamal uh, provides uh, an insightful and critical account of the politics in Iraq and uh, Kurdistan. So welcome Kamal. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Kamal, uh, I know that uh, you have been a very important uh, uh, critical voice in Iraqi Kurdistan about the uh, uh, like a lot of problems facing uh, uh, the Kurdish people in terms of the corruption in the uh, political system, like uh, all kind of political uh, uh, oppression against the. Uh, uh, different groups uh, against dissent in Iraqi Kurdistan, against journalists. We had uh, many reports by uh, major international human rights organizations that talk about that. So um, I want you to first maybe talk about uh, your experience as, the, uh, as a critical voice in Iraqi Kurdistan. What kind of uh, challenges you face? I know you have been threatened uh, a few times. So maybe uh, talk a little bit about your uh, yourself, and then we're gonna talk about the uh, the critic in Kurdistan in general. Um, 
in Iraqi Kurdistan, you know, persecuting the political dissent and um, political opposition and uh, critical journalists and critical voices, it's not something new. It, it, it's something. It, it's, it's something which has been there for a long time. And after 1991, so um, persecuting journalists, kidnapping journalists, um, killing, murdering political dissent, critical voices has always have always been there. But for me, you know, if I talk about my personal experience in the Kurdistan region, yeah, <clears throat> even though it's not only me that has faced lots of uh, death threats, pressures, and you know, uh, kidnapping attempts, and uh, you know, um, uh, trying to attempts of of defamation against me, against my family, my friends, um, you know, I have been a journalist since two thousand five. And since I have started as a journalist, I have I have had uh, you know uh, a critical view toward the uh, current or you know toward the uh, political, social, economic, security situation in the Kurdistan region and also in Iraq as well, and uh, also the relations between the Kurdistan region and with the regional powers. In the meantime, the corruption and you know. Mm and democratic rule and family rule in the Kurdistan region and how the two ruling parties, the Kurdistan Democratic Party led by Masoud Barzani and the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan led by, uh, you know, former uh, Iraqi President Jalal Talabani have controlled everything, you know, all the joints of society, mm -hmm. all joints of econ economy, military have all been controlled by the KDP and PUK on one hand. On the other hand, also by their own families, Talabani and Barzani families. So being a critical voice toward what's going on, you would you will always face you know death threats, kidnapping attempts, and lots of you know pressures in the Kurdistan region. And as you know, after two thousand three, so the Kurdish new generation that especially we were the generation of after nineties, we have seen you know we were ch children. We saw the civil war mm -hmm. from nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety eight. And then all these, you know, um, two sanctions on on one on Iraq, one on, uh, two on the on the Kurdistan region, and also all the political social conflicts in Kurdistan. So we also uh, we were somehow influenced by some uh, group of, of of Kurdish intellectuals. And after two thousand three, when the United States and with the coalition powers liberated or invaded Iraq. Then uh, the Kurdish new generation started, you know, a new wave of uh, critical cri critique to the uh, Kurdistan region because the United States came to in the name of democratization in, of Iraq, and also they focused so much on Kurdistan region because you know it, it was the only place to be which was stable, and they used the Kurdistan region as a you know as a PR to. Uh, attract the international community and their own people that, okay, they have been able to establish something uh, new in Kurdistan region. So the new generation of Kurdish intellectuals, Kurdish journalists started to have a critical voice. So since then, uh, I have worked with so many people and mm -hmm. so many uh, friends and co colleagues in different media outlets and uh, using my social media uh, platforms. And also since I was writing also in Kurdish as well as in, in English, so because, you know, English, I was able to approach the international readers and foreigners, which made the, you know, ruling parties, especially the Kurdistan Democratic Party, so angry against me. So, uh, you know, 
Yeah, you have been a very uh, crucial uh, voice, and I, um, I personally have been following you, and I'm sure many of our uh, uh, audiences uh, have known or have heard uh, about your work. Uh, so let me ask you about this contradiction. You mentioned that Iraqi Kurdistan was that stable region known for uh, being a democratic place, uh, one of the very fragile democracies in the Middle East. But when you go inside, we have all of these issues that are faced by uh, journalists, by critical voices. So how do you explain this contradiction? Uh, you know, th th this contradiction, because when Iraq was invaded, then uh, we had a dictatorship. The dictatorship went and the new government was formed. Mm -hmm. The new government somehow, even though it was, uh, you know, the government was democratically elected. But, you know, soon Iraq became a battlefield of the sectarian violence in Iraq. And also the terrorist groups emerged. Especially the Sunni insurgents became a terrorist insurgency. And then the sectarian violence between the Shia and the Sunni in Iraq, you know, uh, raged Iraq and for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. At that time, Kurdistan region, we didn't have this sectarian violence. We didn't have, you know, these terror attacks every day in, in, in the Kurdistan region. So, and also in the Kurdistan region, oil was, uh, was founded, uh, was found. And then the international companies came to the Kurdistan region. Then the, especially the George, uh, George, George Bush uh, administration, it was in a very difficult situation because they had just uh, you know, um, invaded Iraq and in the name of stability and bringing democracy for Iraq. Mm -hmm. But they failed. Mm -hmm. So they needed uh, you know, uh, uh, a stable region to attract and to, to promote Mm -hmm. uh, in the hope that okay, the democratization process in Iraq is 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 successful. So, so I let me. I want to come back to that uh, because it's very important. How um, since two thousand three, uh, we have this new Iraq. But back to critic in Iraqi Kurdistan uh, because I want to uh, stay a little more with your story. You didn't go into uh, much detail, uh, but uh, I, I want to know like with all. Like your uh, very last uh, intimidations that was uh, coincided during uh, your campaign against the uh, independence referendum in the Kurdish uh, in the Kurdistan region of Iraq, uh, like what what are they afraid of? Like what what's what is their bigger f uh, the, their biggest fear against these journalists, those voices that uh, uh, that do not comply with the. Uh, uh, with this party's agenda. Okay, be, be, before talking about that, you know, I just want to mention that, you know, after uh, the Kurdish uh, media became so powerful from 2003 until 2009, mm -hmm. and then until 2011 as well, then, the, you know, the KDP and PUK, they got mad on the uh, free speech in the Kurdistan region because we had a great impact on people and people were easily mobilized by the uh, critical journalists and critical voice in the Kurdistan region. And we had also a great uh, influence in the uh, political situation. And, you know, the critical voices were able to lead Naushiru Mustafa to form uh, a new political party in 2009, in which we will discuss later. Yeah. You know, uh, that's why in 2007, the first Kurdish journalist was killed. 
because of was... writing Soran Mahama because of writing about uh, corruption in the security vor- uh, forces in Kirkuk mm-hmm. and also writing about the family of Barzani. And then in 2010, another colleague was killed, Sardar Usman, who was a general, who was a general, and also a, a junior student, the a senior student of the at the Salahuddin University, mm-hmm. and he also wrote a satire on Barzani family, in which he was saying that he wished to be uh, Barzani's son-in-law, yeah. because you know if he if he had been son-in-law of Barzani, then he would have been able to go around the world. Have access and, to everything. Yeah, to everything because of of corruption, and you know it was a satire that okay, every if you are not close to one of the political parties or the politicians, or mm-hmm. if you are not with one of the political families, then your rights are, are, are oppressed. Then, uh, you know, in 2013, and then the journalist was killed. In 2016, another journalist was killed. And uh, in this situation, hundreds of journalists have been persecuted, have been attacked, attempted, uh, you know, uh, kidnapped and tortured, and also as well as the protesters. I was, uh, I was reports without borders correspondent between 2009 until 2012. And during this period, you know, we had lots of uh, free speech uh, and human rights violations. I was reporting at that time. I also also sometimes helping human rights watch. So during this time, you know, because we had the Kurdish Kurdish new generation, we were also inspired by the Arab Spring mm-hmm. in 2011. Then so many people were kidnapped. So many people were tortured. I was one of the journalists, you know, in which there were an, a, a, a kidnapping attempt against me mm-hmm. in 2011. Yeah. And I was so uh, so lucky to to escape, mm-hmm. and you know just two cars of uh, two cars of uh, armed men from the KDP side. And they just came with having you know clashing cuffs and pistols, and also also big stickers running against me. That okay, they because it was the it was a period in which they were kidnapping some people, beating to death and also throwing them outside of the city. Yeah. So I was because the the kidnapping at him was inside the city so i was able to to run away mm-hmm. and this has always continued in uh, but especially in 2017 when the uh, kurdistan region uh, started you know launched a, a, a referendum for independence especially was you know by masud barzani the the then kurdistan region president also kdb president so uh during this time the situation for critical voices was so so uh, tense, severe, and so many journalists were threatened. And, uh, you know, I was one of the journalists who were, there were a kidnapping attempt against me, there were death threats, there were so many pressures because we were a group of journalists and political analysts, academics, and also ordinary people. We were against the referendum for independence. And we uh, analyzed it. We had a very critical uh, approach to the referendum because we thought that this in this independent referendum is more a bargaining chip so that Masoud Barzani and the KDP will be able to win right. the Kirkuk oil and also because Masoud Barzani's term has been uh, you know has been uh, expired and then he was not he was he refused to step down then and also you know uh, we were also a group of people we did not believe in this uh, all this nation state uh, because we were very much sure that in the Iraqi situation, it's impossible for a landlocked country like Kurdistan region, in which there are regional powers who are stronger than you. We were very much polarized. 
our uh, political uh, parties were very much divided our economy had been uh, fallen and uh, we thought that you know being part with Iraq and also working on our, our building you know in strengthening our infrastructure building our economy uh, bringing democracy and also bringing all the political parties together to work for the for a better future for the Kurdistan region will be much better than having an independent state right now in which it's not going to be a democratic state as you know many countries around the world it will yeah. be more like a saudi arabia in which we are against yeah. and you know you 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 have seen most of the political uh, you know dissents and political voices in saudi arabia in iran in many other uh, middle eastern countries are living right now in the uh, outside of, of 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 their countries because they the, the countries, the, the, the state is not democratic. Mm -hmm. So we believe that if you do not have a democratic state, better not to have a state because being a region with Iraq might be giving a better chance for us to work on, on democracy, freedom of speech and, and, and justice. So therefore, apart from there were death threats and, you know, uh, there was also a law case against me just to bring me into court and also they were hoping that you know they will not allow me to to uh, travel and also there were a campaign in the KDP media and also in their uh, their trolls on Facebook on Twitter and that also you know uh, showing us not only me my old friends that we are betraying the Kurdistan region and that we we should not be allowed to live in the Kurdistan region after the Kurdistan region will be an independent state that and also that these people are traitors they are being paid by the international community by Iran by uh, you know Iraqi government by Turkey all this uh, propaganda was all have always been there against us so that's why you know uh, I thought you know after the referendum so the, my situation was so so terrible so I thought it is better to be outside of the Kurdistan region for for some time so as to see what's going on to ha what's going to happen after the you know because we had two elections in 12 of May we had Iraqi election and then on 30 September 2018 we had Kurdistan region election uh, parliamentary election so I, I I have been you know in Hamburg for the last six months mm -hmm. in which I have been able to write freely and you know without without uh, fear, fear of being someone knocking at my door and also you know with having pistols and taking me out as it has happened to many people in the Kurdistan region that's uh, just uh, very uh, horrific to be honest and uh, the the moment that we are recording the this podcast uh, uh, we know that this uh, Saudi journalist Jamal uh, Khashoggi uh, uh, he uh, he has disappeared and uh, many people say that he has been killed in Saudi consulate and uh, the fate is unknown. So uh, the, the question of, uh, as you mentioned, the question of critic voices in the Middle East, uh, uh, despite all of the uh, propaganda for those allies of the West uh, that we know in the region, uh, is getting uh, more and more severe. Uh, and for the example of Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, uh, like that was uh, like my 
My question is like, what are they really afraid of? Are they afraid of losing? Are they so weak? Because we know they have a lot of power. They have uh, uh, manpower. They have army. They have uh, many uh, international powers behind them. Uh, but at the same time, they are afraid of uh, critical voices, uh, pens, pencils, websites, uh, weblogs, uh, newspapers. What is this fear is coming from? Like why uh, this huge Saudi uh, Arabian government or Iraqi Kurdistan or Barzani uh, uh, dynasty with all of their power and all of their money, uh, they should follow Kamal Chomani. They have to uh, like uh, find Sardash uh, Osman for saying uh, for writing a satire piece on the Barzani family and killing them or like persecuting them. What is this fear is coming from? Are they really that strong that uh, we know them or? Uh, you know, they're um, maybe just really weak. Yeah, it, it, it's it's well, sometimes very, very strange. You know, as you said, you know, why they have an empire of, of media, but you know, they also fear one of one of the tweets that I tweet or you tweet or one of the Facebook posts of an ordinary uh, Facebooker is posting on his Facebook or her Facebook. This is something very strange, but that shows, you know, the the foundation of this, of these political parties and families, and also the foundation of this Kurdistan regional government is on something which is not democratic, which is not something without any structure. And even if there will be structure, and I think they know that that they are of course, of course. Yeah. And that's that's the reason. You know, they have been able to continue their uh, grip of power grip on power through violence you know distributing cash and also always been aligning with the regional or international powers mm -hmm. and you know they have never worked on their own people and they have never been truthful they have never been honest with people that's why when someone writes something oh for the people it's something very strange how you know this for example barzani or talabani they have been fooling our own people for the last, you know, 50 years. And all in a sudden, a young journalist like Sardar Usman or like me coming, questioning their legacy, questioning their, you know, uh, what they have done and what they are doing is not something will be easily accepted by them. In the meantime, you know, it shows that their, their media, their empire of media, their propaganda is useless. And because, you know, they don't have an ideology, they don't have any political thought, they don't have a political visionary. What is what do they have is all, you know, how to continue the status quo and how to, you know, for example, you know, the KDP media, it justice has never been a debate in KDP media. Democracy has never been a, you know, a, a question mm -hmm. and rule of law. It has never been an issue for the KDP and for the KDP media. People like me. When we are coming, we are talking about democracy and different types of democracy and how the Kurdistan region should be ruled and how these families should be, you know, just families, social families, not political families. And how when we, we are coming, questioning their legacy and their because they they think that because they were part of the, the revolution, then they should be uh, sacrificed and they should be they should be, you know, worshipped. Mm -hmm. There's something not accepted by the Kurdish people. Mm -hmm. 
because the Kurdish society, the, the you know the Kurdish society is completely different from the Saudi Arabia society, for example. Mm -hmm. So Saudi Arabia, you know, foundation it has always been a family that has established the state, and there have been uh, you know uh, clans that each clans have been ruled by one of the clan member, and then the clan member there have always been this hierarchy. But in the Kurdistan region, even though we have had tribes, but we had a revolution. And in the revolution, we, we had different kind of political ideologies, different uh, political views. And after 1991, uh, we established our own government in the hope that, okay, we are ending this kind of tribalism. Mm -hmm. And none of the tribals in the Kurdistan have ever been able to control the whole Kurdistan region. Therefore, we agreed that, okay, we should have a democracy. And this democracy became a debate in the Kurdistan region. So many intellectuals, so many political leaders, they debated it. And then therefore, after 1991, then the new generation, we also, you know, lots, thousands of Kurdish people are living in Europe and in, in North America. And then, okay, the, you know, the intellectuals outside the Kurdistan region, they started, you know, uh, publishing through uh, internet, especially after 2000, 2000s, and then also in the Kurdistan region, publishing books, novelists, you know, poetry, all talking about democracy, freedom of speech, justice, coexistence, and also in ending this corruption. And, and so the, the new generation we are not being easily you know, fooled and controlled by the KDB and PUK. So this conflict, the conflict of, of the generation, one generation of the political parties, and, you know, they try everything to continue their grip on power. On the other hand, there are the new generation, the, 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 the people, that they question the, the oppression, the persecution, and also corruption. And because, you know, we, we have seen the, the dictatorship of Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. And then seeing the dictatorship of Saddam Hussein, it's not easy for, the, for those people who participated in the revolution, at least half of them, and also the new generation, to accept this, to have a new a new dictatorship yeah that's why you know we, we are we are very sadly discussing these days that before and right now for example the four, four parts of the kurdistan it's not for in iran it is the uh oppressing the kurdish people yeah. in syria there's the you know assad regime and also the terrorist groups yeah. also other occupiers like turkey in Turkey, it's a fascist regime of Erdogan yeah. who are oppressing the Kurdish people. But in Kurdistan region, it's our own Kurdish oppressors, okay. which is something is not accepted by the uh, by the Kurdish people. So uh, you raised so many important issues here. Uh, so okay, so in Kurdistan we have we can divide it into a few main lines of uh, inquiry in, in our discussions. Like one of them is the question of uh, national self-determination, that the Kurdish people has the right to, for self-determination and they have sacrificed a lot about that. And in Iraqi Kurdistan, probably the Iraqi Kurdish people, they have sacrificed most. We know the story of Anfal, we know Halabcha, and uh, even after the... Uh, uh, the liberation of uh, Iraqi Kurdistan after the revolution of 1991 that you mentioned uh, from 1995 to 1999 we had uh, the civil war right and uh, 
So a lot of uh, 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 lives have been lost throughout this recent history of Iraqi Kurdistan. But we also have the question of democracy. We have the question of like who uh, does this matter? Who is my oppressor? And uh, as you mentioned that in Iraqi Kurdistan, there is stability, there's a level of uh, uh, democracy, but uh, at the same time, yeah, before 2013, before 2013, yeah. but at the same time, we are seeing uh, these uh, mm, groups, these parties that belong to like a couple families like Barzani family, a Talibani family and some other families that they basically dominate Kurdistan and they uh, they have been using uh, all of the resources uh, for their own gains. Uh, so I would you agree with me that uh, we have to divide what we are talking about because I know that Barzani was using this argument that these people are against national self-determination of the Kurdish people, people like you, people who are critiquing them and uh, uh, they don't see that other side. I think you would agree with uh, with me that uh, uh, this is out of question that uh, we all believe in this self-determination right. But the question is, uh, if I could determine my own destiny, uh, I should also determine how I want to uh, I want to see that I want to manage it. Is that right? Of course, I completely agree with you. And, you know, throughout the history, the Kurdish people have always, you know, been supportive to the idea of self-determination. And, you know, uh, but the KDP has never talked about the self-determination until 2000, you know, at the after 2007, when the oil was found in the Kurdistan region. And it was PUK and also we had a Kurdish independence party, PASO, would they were talking about, uh, you know, self-determination. And let's be, you know, let's be very, very, uh, you know, clear that in 2005, when the Iraqi constitution was formed, in the Iraqi constitution, the Kurdish people, as people, were recognized in the constitution. Mm -hmm. And as, as the language was recognized, the Kurdish political, human, democratic rights were recognized in the Iraqi constitution. That's why the Kurdistan region was founded. And in the meantime, the Kurdish people, the three governorates, Arbil, Duhok, and Suleimani, we voted for the Iraqi constitution. It was some Iraqi, uh, you know, some Iraqi Sunni areas who did not completely support the I remember uh, that the even in Mahabad in Iran we celebrated that uh, when the constitution was passed people were very happy yeah, that exactly. the, for the first time the right of the Kurds to uh, basically administrate to uh, to rule their own lands was recognized uh, nationally and by all international bodies exactly and apart from that you know in, it was not only giving the Kurdistan region a federal region Mm -hmm. It was also the Iraqi president has always been a Kurd since 2005. So the, the kind of federal system in Iraq we have is something very unique because the powers that the Kurdistan region have had, none of the you know other um, federal systems around the world have given such kind of powers to the regional to the regional governments. In the meantime, uh, the Kurdistan region also, you know, because Iraq was so weak and Kurdistan region was uh, supported by international community, 
we had a kind of our own para diplomacy. We had our own Peshmerga forces. We had our own, you know, you know, oil, everything. Yeah. But the idea of this uh, this division that came, that KDP accusing some people that they do not believe in self-determination is, is a pure propaganda just to defame to uh, defame some people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone believes in self-determination. But the kind of self-determination we also question. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, having we we also be, I personally believe we have somehow determined our de- our self-determination through the Iraqi constitution. And I believe we can have a democratic Kurdistan region, a democratic Iraq living together economically, politically, and socially, militarily, will be much more stronger. And you know, in the in the Middle East, you know, smaller states will be always the victims. Look what is going to happen to to Qatar because of Saudi Arabia, and uh, what's going on in Syria. Yeah. And if the Kurdistan region will be some uh, small, you know, a small region, will be the victims, as it happened exactly one year ago, after the referendum. Because of the you know miscalculation of Masoud Barzani and all the issues that we have discussed, then the Iraqi army came back and with the support of the Iranians, and then they retook Arbil, uh, retook uh, Kirkuk, and it was the United States and international community that stopped the Iraqi regime, the the Iraqi government and the PMF in the uh, line of 36, which is between you know the 1990 a borderline between Iraq and the Kurdistan region. Mm-hmm. So we we believe in self-determination and also we believe in you know in, in independence. It's not a question. But Everybody. that constitution has not been revoked and it's still in place as much as I know. Yeah. Of course. Uh, so uh, um, yeah, so uh, come on let's talk about uh, let's move on to some more current uh, political situation in Iraq and uh, as you mentioned there was a Iraqi election and there was another uh, election in Kurdistan in September 30th so let's first with the Iraqi elections uh, can you just uh, uh, map out the current uh, political situation in Iraq by the actors like who is who and who are in the Iraqi parliament and how this is divided, and I know there are like different uh, uh, quota systems based on ethnic groups, based on religious groups. Uh, so, do you want to talk a little bit about that for our uh, uh, listeners? Yeah. So, in, in, on 12 May 2018, we had Iraqi parliamentary election, mm-hmm. which we elect the new parliament. The parliament will elect the elect the president of Iraq, and now it is. Uh, for you know the president has uh, assigned the Iraqi the, the prime minister to form the new Iraqi mm-hmm. government cabinet in, on 12 May election there were uh, you know some major uh, coalitions running for the Iraqi parliamentary election mm-hmm. the winner was the coalition of uh, al-sairun which is uh, which was a coalition of uh, Muqtada al-sadr uh, which is called uh, Sadr Trend mm-hmm. with the communists and also civil society organizations. Which is very unlikely odd uh, coalition kind yeah, of. It, yeah, it, it was really. Yeah. But, you know, because Asairun, uh, Muqtada Sadr and also the communists, they have been demonstrating and protesting against the political system for almost two years. 
they got uh, they got closer to to each other a lot mm -hmm, yeah. and also the iraqi people have got fed up from this sectarian ethno sectarian politics in the iraqi in in in, 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 iraq. in iraq so therefore it was uh it was something very very new and it was something very hopeful to be honest and i i i I, I like the idea communists with a very uh, you know um, like uh, religious group religious group coming together but why it's because it was beyond the the ideology yeah because it was now in Iraq we do not have the you know some ideological uh, conflicts between political parties on, on the people we have some issues like the issue of democracy the issue of uh, freedom of justice of you know uh, employment such you know public services mm -hmm. electricity drinking water you know a few a few weeks ago basra the basra started a big protest which was about to stop the whole iraqi political process mm -hmm. their main concern was drinking water imagine yeah. you know almost 3 million barrels per day is being exported in in basra and people still do not have their uh, drinking water. So Iraqi politics have become like, you know, above going beyond the ethno-sectarian politics and people are now more focusing on issues. Like so, uh, did they form, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but did they form kind of a majority group in parliament or... Now, okay, so I'm, I'm yeah. trying to, to talk about. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, they they became the major the major uh, force in Iraq. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there was another uh, coalition, the coalition okay. of the Iraqi uh, popular mobilization forces, Al Hashd al Shaabi, which is supported by the Iraqi right. by the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran, or more let's say Al Quds al Army. <laughs> and this coalition also became the second. And, and Hashd al Shaabi came to power kind of after. Uh, the Iraqi army withdraw uh, in the war against ISIS and they became the force that was kind of uh, 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 resisting against ISIS and uh, fighting them. Is it right? Yeah, 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 exactly. After the Mosul fall, Mosul fell to ISIS and then Iraqi army was withdrawing and ISIS was approaching Baghdad then by a fatwa mm -hmm. uh, from uh, Ayatollah Sistani. Mm -hmm. He called for establishing Hashd al-Shabi, PMF, mm -hmm. so that to fight against ISIS. And, and right now they are a kind of a political force in Iraqi yeah. parliament. Apart okay. from, you know, they are working as paramilitary, they are militia force, even though there is a law in the Iraqi parliament which was passed to recognize, uh, recognizing PMF, mm -hmm. but still they are working as a, they are militia forces. And uh, the future of militia is something very, it's, uh, it's very controver controversial in Iraq. Then they became the second. And then we had the coalition of the uh, Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi, al-Nasr, victory. And he, he became the third. And then there were some other major political parts, like the former Iraqi uh, Prime Minister, Nouri al-Maliki, uh, even though he didn't get enough seats but he is still very powerful because you know, he has lots of uh he has he is rich and also he has um uh he's he he's supported by iran Mu and Malika. within with the militia forces and also we had uh, a new we had also a new political party uh tiar al-hikma which is supported which is led by uh, ammar al-hakim a religious shia leader 
but he is also changing his discourse from being a religious person to a kind of politician, a new politician that, you know, yeah, you know, pro promoting a new Iraqi national identity. And, and, and then also there were some other uh, Sunni forces who were some of the Sunni forces for the first time, some Sunni forces were in the coalition of the Shia forces, like, you know, Khalil al-Ubaidi was part of the coalition. He's, the, he's a Sunni uh, Iraqi interior minister who was part of the uh, Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi, who was a Shia coalition from Nasser. And then there were also some uh, other smaller Sunni uh, Sunni coalition, especially there were one of the very strong Sunni coalitions, uh, which is supported by uh, Hamis al-Khanjar, who is an Iraqi businessman and politician. And from the Kurdistan region side, then we had... Uh, a few also political parties running for the Iraqi parliamentary collection, uh, election. The Kurdistan Democratic Party became the number one, mm -hmm. the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan, then the change movement, then the new generation. The new generation is a new political party. We'll talk about each of them when we come to the uh, election in Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, and also the two Islamic parties were also able to win uh, a few seats. We also had a new political party, which is the Coalition for Democracy and Justice, which was which split from the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I'm sorry, it was established by the uh, current Iraqi president, Dr. Barham Ahmad Saleh. He established a new political party, but eventually he rejoined the PUK to become the Iraqi uh, president. And now, you know, the, uh, there have been some coalitions because none of the political parties or coalitions will be able to form the Iraqi government 50 plus one. Uh, none of the political parties in Iraqi in Iraqi parliament now could not form the Iraqi government alone. Even though before the elections, each political party, especially from the Sunnis, from the Shia side, they were discussing that, okay, we should put an end of to this uh, Al-Muhassasa government. Al-Muhassasa government means, you know, the Iraqi government has always been uh, formed after 2003 on the basis of, you know, ethno-sectarian proportions. Like the Kurdish should give, should be, the Kurdish share is two ministers, or let's say the Sunnis is three, the Shias is four, mm -hmm. and the prime minister is for Shia, the, the Iraqi president for, for the Kurdish, and the speaker of parliament for the Sunni. So each political party were discussing that, okay, we should end to this Al-Muhassasa government. But after the Iraqi government, then none of the political uh, coalitions were able to win the majority, you know, uh, absolute majority to win the, uh, to, to form the new government. Then now they try to form the bigger coalition within the parliament. Um, so there were so many divisions, especially one of the signs was supported by the United States, especially the uh, former Iraqi government uh, coalition. And on the other on the other side, the Shia uh, militia group uh, Al Fatah coalition was also supported by Iran. So this conflict continued, but uh, eventually none of the political none of the coalition were able to win to to form the new government. Okay. Then they came together. They have found a new uh, you know form formula to form the new Iraqi government. 
so the speaker parliament had already been uh, elected, but it was a competition between not only uh, one, you know, not only one person. It was a competition between two very strong Sunni politicians, in which the uh, the one who was supported by the Al Fatah uh, coalition won the Iraqi parliamentary speakership. Yeah. His name is Muhammad uh, uh, Al Halbusi, who is very young, uh, I think uh, under 40. <coughs> and also, the Iraqi president, who is a Kurd, was also elected. It was also a competition, a very strong competition between. Was it just before the Kurdistan election, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, two days after the Kurdistan region election. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it was a competition between a PUK nominee and a KDP nominee yeah. and also some other uh, Kurdish candidates but the yeah. competition was more between these two so the KDP nominee lost and the PUK nominee won the Iraqi presidency now we Bar have a, an elected speaker Mohammed Mohammed Halbusi and uh, also uh, one Iraqi an elected Iraqi president who is Dr. Barham Saleh and, and before before that, before uh, continuing that, uh, I I read that uh, for the first time actually the Kurdish groups uh, are not uh, <coughs> uh, having a candidate of the United Kurdish one. bloc, a yeah. united uh, candidate, and even some people, some uh, uh, journalists, they mentioned that it could be the end of this. Uh, uh, coalition between PUK yeah, and strategic KDP. strategic agreement. Yeah. The strategic agreement of uh, famous for 50-50. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, if you just go back a bit to the Kurdish politics in 1998, the Kurdish civil war was uh, stopped and there was an agreement between the KDP and PUK. It's called, you know, Washington Agreement in which the, the then uh, state uh, Secretary, Secretary of, State, of, of the United States, yeah, Madeleine Albright, brought them together and then after 2003 they had an agreement which is called the KDP and PUK had an agreement strategic agreement mm -hmm. strategic agreement means dividing every single position every single economic interest every single peshmerga and military and security institution 50 by 50 mm -hmm. and then it's for the first time that the KDP and PUK cannot agree on a joint nominee to the Iraqi president then uh, that's why, you know, the, the moment that we are talking about the KDP and PUK tensions have reached a peak. And uh, this, uh, so therefore the KDP, the, the PUK nominee was able to win because he was supported by, to be honest, Barham Saleh was, was much more qualified yeah. and he was more accepted by the Iraqi people and Iraqi politicians yeah. eventually. He was also supported by the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. <coughs> so he won the uh, Iraqi, uh, now he is the Iraqi president and he has assigned a, an impartial politician, a technocratic impartial politician, which was... Uh, which he has was, studied in the United States, I guess. Or yeah. He, he's fluent in English. Yeah, of and, course. Yeah, yeah but, but I mean that he has assigned the... Uh, new Iraqi Prime Minister, who is Adel Abdul Mahdi, mm -hmm. who is very much accepted by the Iraqis all, you know, the Sunnis, the Shias, and the Kurdish people. And he's himself uh, Sunni. He's no, he's Shia because he's the Prime Shia. Minister should okay. be for a Shia. And um, 
عادل عبد المهدي هو also fighting against Saddam with the Peshmerga forces yeah. back in 1980s and because it was one of the conditions of the marja'iyah in Iraq marja'iyah is the highest Shia institution which Ayatollah Sistani is at the top and they make the many decisions in Iraq they said that because the political parties were not able to reach on a joint agreement a joint agreement on a uh, consensus prime minister mm-hmm. then there should be one one person should be a minister prime minister who sh- who has no any affiliation to the political parties mm-hmm. and who should be neutral mm-hmm. who should be accepted by all who who should also not be part of the uh, corrupt systematic con- uh, institutions in Iraq so he was he was a former Iraqi oil minister mm-hmm. he was a kind of person who has not been uh, he is not a cor- corrupt he has very good connection with all the sides uh, he is also a technocrat he is someone speaks english arabic and uh, he's a, a qualified person to be the iraqi uh, prime minister now the formation of the iraqi government will be uh, you know by the time that this episode will be published the iraqi government might have already been uh, formed yeah so uh, uh, let's uh, go back to erbil from baghdad and uh, uh, give a little uh, bit of uh, background into uh, the split between this uh, strategic agreement that was formed between the PUK and KDP, Barzani and Talabani uh, in 1998 uh, uh, after a bloody civil war. Uh, and that right now that I heard many people are even afraid of the beginning of a new civil war in Iraqi yeah. Kurdistan. Um, uh, what was the PUK's position during referendum? Because right after the referendum, uh, all of this happened, right? Because uh, the PUK territorially uh, is in control of the southern part of Iraqi Kurdistan, in Suleimani province, and then after liberation of uh, um, Kirkuk and the Khanakin and all other uh, uh, towns and cities south of Suleimani, they were kind of the major uh, power there and after the Iraqi army uh, took back uh, Kirkuk uh, like everyone was talking about this betrayal on parts of the PUK that they, they let Iranian uh, uh, security people with Hashtag Shaabi and with Iraqi army within an, in an agreement with PUK or some people in the PUK not all of the PUK uh, to take back Kirkuk uh, can you talk a little bit uh, more about that? You know, the, the referendum came into uh, the Kurdish politics in a time where we didn't have a parliament. Um, the parliament speaker has already been expelled by the KDP. The Goran ministers had already been expelled from the from Erbil and from the government, and uh, there were still Iraqi, you know, fight against uh, ISIS somehow. And uh, the polarization of Kurdish politics was still there. There were lots of conflicts between Goran and KDP. There were no any direct or indirect connections. And there were also so many uh, differences in political conflicts between PUK and KDP, PUK and Goran, Islamists and KDP, and, you know, Islamists, PUK, all the opposition with the government. So it was a very, very divided society. And also, it was in a time where the Kurdish uh, economy had already fallen. 
the Kurdistan region had already been in debt almost, you know, 20 to 25 billion dollars, in which it is a uh, budget, it is annual budget is 12 billion dollars. And um, yeah, so the Peshmerga was so, so divided. And uh, the Kurdistan region relations with Baghdad was were in the, the Peshmerga forces are also divided between these political parties, right? Like no, they have their be, own between the KDP and PUK. Okay. So only KDP and PUK have ha, do have their own uh, militia force. Okay. One of the small, very small Kurdish uh, political party, which is called Kurdistan Social Democratic Party, they also have a. A small unit, but With it's Mahmoud Taj. Yeah, Muhammad Haji. Muhammad Haji. It's not that that big. So in this division, in this uh, economic collapse, in this financial uh, severe situation, in which in this, uh, you know, in the, in Iraq, where lots of there were lots of regional and international conflicts over the future of the Kurdistan region in Iraq and the ISIS. So in in this situation. Um, the referendum came into the discussions and the politics of the Kurdistan region. Therefore, it was very ex expected that there will be so many opposition for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, the KDP, the change movement, Goran, did not support at all. And the Islamists, also one of the main Islamic parties, the Kurdistan Islamic group, they also did not support. And the PUK and also the Kurdistan Islamic Union, they were also divided. There was, but more, let's say, the main parties who were making the decision were the KDP and PUK. Yeah. And the KDP, you know, there's one man speaks, the whole leadership, the whole constituency should listen. Mm -hmm. Masoud Barzani makes the decisions, the others should listen. But with the PUK, in the absence of Jalal Talabani, because Jalal Talabani had died, yeah. And uh, or let's say he was sick and he was in in what's called in, in yeah, coma. coma, yeah, and uh, he was not able to make any decisions. Mm -hmm. So the PUK uh, made the decisions, mm -hmm. and the PUK was also divided. Yeah, part of the leadership were completely against the referendum, mm -hmm. by all means. Mm -hmm. Part of the leadership were with the referendum, and with the change movement. Also, they were against the referendum, but they were also not able to make the right decision to stand against it. They were just they were just saying, OK, we are against, but we will be they did not campaign. They were for not. It. Yeah. Yeah. And partly because also we did uh, no Mustafa unfortunately had died on uh, May before the before the referendum. So Mosul Barzani remained alone and he made the all decisions. So the, the, the KDP and P, the, within the PUK, there were so many divisions as well. So in this situation, the referendum was, uh, was conducted. And in Kirkuk, it was very much expected. It, to me, Kirkuk was not a betrayal. Kirkuk was a, an outcome of a wrong political decision right. that was made by uh, Masoud Barzani mm -hmm. and also some other people around him. Therefore, um, in a country where the regional powers, in which especially the best KDP ally in the region is, was Turkey. Yeah. And Turkey was also against the referendum. Yeah. Even President Erdogan was making fun of Masoud Barzani. Iran was against. The whole international community was against. The whole 
you know, there was not a single country to support the referendum, other than a few statements, like one of the statements from the uh, ben Benjamin Netanyahu, the, uh, the Israeli prime minister, which would which made the situation for the referendum even much much more difficult, complicated, yeah. because the Iranians and also the Iraqi, especially the religious people. They consider the Kurdistan region referendum as a Zionist, uh, making uh, yeah. establishing a second Israel. E exactly, mm -hmm. and uh, the Peshmerga at that time it was so weak. We had just you know fought against one of the most barbaric organizations. The Peshmerga was not ready to fight yeah. if something bad happens to Kirkuk, yeah. and also Peshmerga was divided. Mm -hmm. On one side we had the PUK; they were not fighting. They were saying that they are not fighting. On the other side, we had the KDB who were uh, were under the command of Masoud Barzani. Mm -hmm. And we did not have a parliament to make the decisions with regard to the referendum because we didn't have a speaker. As you know, speaker of parliament was expelled from uh, just to, just to you know, adding an information for the, for the listeners. On 12 October 2015, the speaker of Kurdistan parliament was expelled from Karbil. He was denied Karbil entry. What was his name? Doctor uh, Dr. Yusuf Muhammad from George, from the Change Movement. Mm -hmm. What was the reason? The reason was he wanted to amend the Iraq, the Kurdistan region presidency law, mm -hmm. and he did not accept it. Masoud Barzani's term to be extended because Masoud Barzani became the Iraqi Kurdistan region president in 2015, yeah. and in 2000. Uh, 13 his term was expired but he extended his term illegally and in it was kind of a de facto coup basically against the Kurdistan parliament yeah at that time in 2013 but and in 2013 the extension of Masoud Barzani's term was extended in a way that it will not be able to be extended again in the future in any ways no matter the situation mm -hmm. but barzani in 2015 again refused to step down and then the when the opposition parties wanted to uh, amend the presidency law and tell Masoud barzani to step down then the speaker of parliament was extend was expelled from Arbil. so back coming back to uh, our uh, main topic which was referendum so in this situation referendum was uh, happened and then you know, the international community, they pressured Masoud Barzani a lot not to go for referendum because they tell, told him what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then the Iranians... Except maybe for uh, Bernard Henry Louis yeah, <laughs> and some, some other uh, <laughs> Washington-based uh, yeah, exactly. uh, analysts. Yeah. yeah, not only, you know, even some Europeans who are, who are, you know, basically they are paid by the KRG and yeah. they were giving the wrong decision, the wrong consultancy to... Uh, then Masoud Barzani, president of Kurdistan region. And um, the international community, they offered a very something very great to the Kurdistan region to postpone the referendum. But Masoud Barzani continued his uh, stubbornness. He refused the offer. It was uh, offered by the then Secretary of State, uh, Rex Tillerson, mm -hmm. uh, in which they said, okay, the United States said, okay, you will postpone the other referendum mm -hmm. and we will try to resolve all your issues with the Iraqi government. And if the problems will not be resolved, then you will recognize a referendum for the Kurdistan region. Masoud Barzani refused. 
And then the Iranians were very much clear. They said that, you know, they will attack Kirkuk and you will be you will lose Kirkuk. But Mas Barzani stubbornness continued. Then uh, on the days before the referendum, there were so many. I was one of the person who was very much aware of what's going on behind the scenes through yeah. my, you know, uh, interviews, you know, meetings with the politicians as well as with the diplomats. So Barzani refused everything. He said that he will go for the referendum. Then the PUK said, especially the leadership, we had the PUK leadership of Kirkuk. They said, OK, you can hold the referendum, but please don't hold it in Kirkuk because it will be a failure and it will be a disaster. And also the United States somehow told the you know Kurdish leadership, even if you hold a referendum, don't hold in the disputed areas. Mm -hmm. Because constitutionally, these areas are called, are recognized in the constitution as disputed areas. Yeah. And it was not me as a person to accept that, to recognize it. It was Masud Barzani who was one of the persons mm -hmm. who wrote the Iraqi constitu constitution and the PUK leadership. Who accepted that these areas can be are disputed. are disputed areas? Then he again refused, and then uh, after you know uh, seventeen, in there were an, an uh, fifteen October meeting of the KDP and PUK leadership. Then um, on the, on that day, then again there were so many discussions. The KDP, the PUK were uh, saying something. The Barzani. KDP and Barzani were saying something uh, completely different. Then eventually some of the PUK officials had secretly reached an agreement with Baghdad, mm -hmm. with the Iraqi army to return to Kirkuk. But the Iraqi, you know, Iraqi army will be based, will be deployed in some places. And then there will be a joint administration in Kirkuk. Then when, when the Iraqi army, you know, the, the agreement did, didn't go as it should have gone. Then they attacked and then a uh, fight happened. Through. You know, then, then the KDP and PUK Peshmerga flew and then the Kirkuk and the whole disputed areas were retaken by the Iraqi army. And so, now this this I this is a huge just today because 16 October, one year after the referendum, well, uh, one year after the 16 year October events, one side is saying, you know, it's a big treason. The other side said it was no. It was a, a, a an move. outcome yeah. of a wrong decision, mm -hmm. and also it was a smart, a smart, as you say, a smart strategy, so as to protect our people from being the victims of war between Iraq and the Kurdistan region, and we pro they protect the Kurdistan and region. I, they say. I assume you were in Iraqi Kurdistan during that time, right? Yes. Uh, how was it perceived? Because uh, on social media, the. the uh, what I saw, like Kurdish social media, they were devastated. And uh, it was kind of uh, uh, a collapse of uh, all of those dreams for, uh, because Kurds were very actively fighting ISIS and they sacrificed a lot and in Rojava region and uh, other parts. So for the first time, they were so hopeful for to, to gain something and uh, out of uh, sudden, uh, for those who were unaware of what was going on behind the curtains and with the uh, all of these groups, uh, uh, games in uh, on Kirkuk and on sharing power or dividing power in the region, the, 
it was kind of a full devastation. The Kurdish flag was uh, taken down in Kirkuk, and the Kurdish uh, mm, this figure, this sculpture of Peshmerga in Kirkuk was also taken down. Yeah. So, uh, and Kirkuk has this special place for the Kurds because it was a the place uh, that was most Arabized and uh, uh, was targeted by uh, assimilation politics of Saddam Hussein and even before Saddam Hussein in its most uh, uh, horrible way. Uh, how was the environment in Iraqi Kurdistan? It was really, really a very, very difficult situation for the whole people of the Kurdistan region because, you know, um, after the success over ISIS, then people were had people did not were not expecting to have war we were expecting to have peace in iraq mm -hmm. and then all in a sudden this happened and as you said you know the victory of kobani and other places against isis it had made the kurdish people so proud of their 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 their, their own you know their uh, their fighters but unfortunately this happened and uh, you know because we did we we have not had a very good experience with the Iraqi army yeah. therefore whenever there were there there's uh, you know any escalation with the Iraqi army so in the in the imagination of the in the nostalgia of people is that you know the Iraqi army is coming to kill to kill you that's why uh, uh, you know people were very much afraid this is on one hand and also Hajj al-Shaabi they didn't have a very good uh, you know, reputation within the yeah. Kurdish people, especially in Kirkuk and Khurmatu. And, you know, in Khurmatu, there has always been a conflict between the Kurdish people and also the Turkmen, the Shia, so that who will be uh, controlling the city? Then people were very much afraid of, you know, a kind of ethnic cleansing in, in, in Khurmatu, especially. And then also the KDP UK, the KDP media was very, very, you know, they were publishing fake news. And, you know, their propaganda was so, so bad. They made people so, uh, you know, because they were they, all in a sudden they were saying that, OK, or in, and also or through social media, the Israeli planes are coming and fighting against the Hajj al-Shaabi. On the other side, they were saying, OK, the Iraqi army arrived and killed all so many people. Then in this situation, people were very much afraid. Uh, but it was, you know, just a few days. And then we saw Iraqi army return to Kirkuk, and then the situation got, you know, calmed down. And then step by step, you know, people got normalized. And then uh, after, right now, people, okay, they say we lost Kirkuk and it was a huge loss. Uh, but in the meantime, people right now, they, they have realized that, okay, the whole this nationalist propaganda from the Kurdish uh, political parts was not something for the independence or referendum mm -hmm. or for the benefits of Kurdish uh, Kurdish national interests. So therefore, they focus more on you know resolving their own issues. Because when you when you don't have drinking water, when you don't have electricity, mm -hmm. when you don't have you know uh, your monthly salary to 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 pay a, a few a few Iraqi dinners to your son to go to the school, then people question why we need you know uh, an, an invent state so right now the situation is like this and Kirkuk is still under the control of the Iraqi army mm -hmm. but the situation has somehow got normalized mm -hmm. and the Iraqi 
the 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 the, the governor is a Sunni Sunni governor. He's an acting governor. Unfortunately, and it was have, a Kurdish one before. Before that. it was yeah. a Kurdish one, yeah. and unfortunately, there have been some you know viola- human rights violations, and there have been some, like you know, some Kurdish officials have been removed, sacked from their uh, positions in Kirkuk. But right now, there are also. It's not to me. It's not the Iraqi are the Iraqi government and the Kurdish government that the the issue of Kirkuk is not being resolved right now. Yeah. It's more between the KDP and PUK conflicts because the Kurdish the to elect a new Kirkuk governor, which is who will be a Kurd, and all the Ira- the Iraqi government, the Iraqi political scientists, the regional powers, especially Iran, and also the the components of Kirkuk. They accepted that this governor could be a Kurd, but the KDP and PUK are not being able to reach on a cons- you know, to reach an agreement. Who will be this uh, new governor? And new governor should be elected by the Kirkuk Governorate Council. And in the Kirkuk Governorate Council, uh, the KDP they have you know the Kurdish Kurdish bloc belongs to the KDP and PUK, and it has not been. Uh, reinstated. It it was reinstated a few days ago, but it was not successful to elect a new governor. But to me, even if the the governor will be elected, then the issue of Kirkuk and the disputed areas will still remain. And we have in the Iraqi government an article in Iraqi Constitution, Article One Hundred Forty, which says that the Kirkuk and disputed areas should be normalized because it has been Arabized. Yeah. And also, there should be after normalization, there should be compensation of people, and then there should be a referendum, so that these people from the disputed areas will decide whether they want to be part of the Kurdistan region or oh, part yeah. of the Iraqi government. Well, I mean, uh, K- okay. Kirkuk is a like very special issue, and I uh, I really uh, uh, I'm interested to talk about that maybe in a future time, but the uh, mm, I. We talked about these public services, the lack of public services in, uh, or this uh, lack of efficiency in Iraqi Kurdistan. And uh, last night you even told me that there is no public transportation whatsoever in Iraqi Kurdistan, and people for, uh, mm, like, to get uh, um, anywhere from their um, places of living for their work or for anything else, they have to take uh, a taxi, or they they need. Uh, their own, their private transportation uh, means of transportation. So in this environment, then there is lack of drinking water, electricity, and uh, education system, uh, health system. It, they're all at the uh, verge of collapsing, and we uh, every single day we heard uh, some uh, like um, unbelievable stories about uh, how uh, this health system and the education system is. Uh, not working in a way that uh, um, everyone kind of expecting. In this environment, we had these elections, the September 30th elections in Kurdistan. And there is also the fear of uh, Iraqi army on one hand. And on the other yeah. hand, we have uh, what's going to happen the, uh, mm, between uh, KDP and PUK. Is there going to be another civil war? And all of these regional forces, what's going to happen to the future of the region, to the fight against ISIS. In this environment, these elections happen. So, first of all, what happened during this election? Well, like, what kind of forces are in play in Kurdistan? And I, I think there are some new 
players that uh, uh, the world are not very much familiar with. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So just to give you know uh, uh, an explanation with regard to the public service in Kurdistan region you mentioned, uh, I have lived in the Kurdistan region all my life, and other than two years that I studied outside, and I don't remember a single day in which we I have had 24-hour electricity. And I don't remember any day, and I have never seen, for example, a public transportation uh, in which I could tra I could travel by from my hometown, Choman, to any other cities of, of Kurdistan. Just, you know, so it's how the, 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 the situa situation of public services is. Um, but you know, uh, with regard to the to the uh, elections, so you, the elections we had the elections after ISIS war, after the fall of referendum, after the uh, you know um, uh, par paralyzation of parliament for two years, after so many conflicts, after uh, the financial crisis in the Kurdistan region, in which still people like you know they they are not being paid fully, and not. On the uh, man, on the monthly basis, mm -hmm. still you know, for example, it is uh, it is October. They have not been paid uh, June salaries yet. So it, it, the situation is like this. And 2018 is far better than 2017. 2017 was far better than 2016. So referendum uh, Kurdistan region election parliamentary election was in this situation. And therefore, so it was expected that people have lost hope and trust in the, you know, elections. Therefore, they did not participate in the elections uh, as they should have. The turnout was, you know, apart from that, you know, with, uh, with the electoral fraud as well, it was about 50-55 and then almost 50, 40 five people 45 percent people uh, of the vo voters they did not participate in the elections and those who boycotted the election is you know it's a very very important uh, message to the mm -hmm. political system and the politicians as well as the political party that they are fed up of this uh, political system and the government and not only the government also the from the opposition parties because also opposition parties failed to address what they should have addressed in the past, let's say, uh, ten, nine or, or let's say, uh, yeah, nine, ten years, and uh, there were again. Uh, and they, this main opposition group uh, would be Goran or the Change Movement, right? Yeah, Goran. Okay. Yeah, it's the Change Movement. Yeah. And now we have also the new generation that you're going to talk about Islamic uh, political parties. Yeah. And uh, so we went to the elections and the elections, unfortunately, they didn't talk about issues. They didn't talk about the needs of people and there were no any political, serious political uh, debate. There were more, you know, uh, fake news and propaganda mm -hmm. and also this, you know, very much, very cheap attacking each other that it was all about, you know, you are betraying the Kurdistan. No, you are betraying the Kurdistan. They were talking about, the, uh, you know, like... Um, the the event that happened in 30 August 1996 in which the KDP, help, you know, with the help of uh, Saddam Hussein uh, regime army, retook Arbil from the PUK and also the 
uh, the kid if you're also talking about you know the 16 october 2017 how the puk betrayed the kurdistan range so it was more about uh, very very cheap uh, politics then they became, they made the people much more uh, disappointed and also uh, the KDP and PUK they also as they have always done uh, they conducted massive electoral fraud in which the opposition parties you know be, they gained less voters then the KDP uh, became the number one party with uh, 43 to 45 seats, the PUK to 21, 22 seats, the change movement 30 to 15 seats, uh, then the new generation, and then the Kurdistan Islamic uh, group, then the Kurdistan Islamic Union also. And the total number? The total the number is uh, 111 seats in the Kurdistan parliament, but we have quota of for the uh, you know, um, ethnic religious groups in, in Kurdistan, minorities in general, 11 seats is uh, are for the minorities. And now we have had the elections, but still the new government has not been formed, and still we don't know how the government will be formed. In the, the tensions in the between the KDP and PUK are so high because KDP thinks that he was they were betrayed when the Iraqi president was elected and because KDP wanted to have the Iraqi president very 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 you know it's very funny one year ago KDP was talking about having an event state for the Kurdistan region and now they are fighting for uh, getting the Iraqi presidency and uh, right now as, as we discussed we had yeah, conflict yeah. over the Kirkuk governor and then we don't know whether the KDP again with the PUK will reach an agreement on uh, forming the new government 50 by 50 or the KDP will go for a kind of you know coalition with the other political parts like maybe Goran or as there are some voices when the KDP and PUK calling for again to administration as you know since from 1994 until 2015 there were two administrations Soleimani administration controlled by the KDP PUK sorry and also uh, Arbil administration, which was uh, controlled by, by the KDB. So in this situation, as you uh, already mentioned, okay, we are at the brink of a new civil war, or we are going to put an end to all these differences and political conflicts, because the Kurdistan region economically and financially is very, very vulnerable right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the Kurdistan region, they have lost oil of, of Kirkuk, the exporters uh, through uh, Turkey will be again, you know, maybe obstructed by Iraqi government because, you know, they are claiming that the uh, control over exportation of, of, of oil should belong to the uh, federal uh, Iraqi government. And uh, if the KDP or the PUK, if they want to resolve so many issues, they should have a, a very good government to address the people needs mm -hmm. because, you know, there's a huge unemployment, especially within the youth mm -hmm. and within the women is almost 69 unemployment and That's within the youth is over 30 mm -hmm. and in general is, I think, is 25 to 30 unemployment and I think it's much, much higher and let alone that the people are not being paid uh, their salaries properly mm -hmm. and there is no jobs in the market mm -hmm. and the public service there are so many problems so in this situation uh, the future of the Kurdistan region is really uncertain at the moment
and in this kind of environment of uncertainty, uh, uh, there is this group of new generation. Can you talk a little bit about that? And we m might uh, um, just wrap up and uh, close this. Session. Yeah, the, the new generation, you know, after the change movement was not able to address, uh, to have a strong position with regard to the referendum. Then this uh, media businessman, uh, media and media, he has NRT and also a group of, of, of company. Uh, uh, a, a company which is working more on construction and he has a, a business a real estate in tourism real empire. estate yeah exactly Shaswar uh, Abdul Wahid so he established uh, he at the beginning he tried through his NRT and he's a young man like he's, he's young yeah. yeah he promoted himself very much and then he uh, during the referendum after we uh, opposed the referendum also he followed us and then somehow he uh, is, he he became a group he became a campaign through his media, through his, you know, uh, also his rich, and he was able to lead a to to lead a campaign against the referendum. The it was no for uh, for now mm -hmm. for the Kurdistan region uh, independence, and then after that, then he participated. He formed a new political party. It's called the New Generation. He participated in the Iraqi government in the Iraqi uh, elections. Mm -hmm. He was able to win two uh, four seats. He also, you know, somehow his coalition, it was a kind of coalition with the, uh, one of the political movements which was close to the Kurdistan Workers' Party. It's called the uh, the Freedom Movement, Tevgari Azadi. Then, um, and which was interesting for the first time, a pro-PKK uh, person is becoming the Iraqi uh, member of parliament. And then in the Kurdistan region parliamentary election on 30 September, again, new generation also participated in the election. And then with the same uh, coalition. Uh, no, okay. it was it was not more, with Tevgeri. Uh, no, it was freedom. more a political party. They I think they have won 12 seats or. Yeah, I think 12 seats. I'm, I'm not very much sure because the mm. final results have not been announced officially yet. Uh, to me, uh, you know, new generation is is a new idea they have uh, they have great am ambitions without a political visionary which is something very tragic for me and, uh, Be and is it because of that or because of the his real estate background that some people call him the trump of kurdistan uh, you know he, uh, for me not you know it's okay you know because for my my main my main uh, concern is not that someone who is a businessman coming to politics. My main concern is more people like you know the KDP and PUK political elite who have never been businessmen, but they became they became businessmen through politics. But my main concern with Shaswar is more he's very populist, mm -hmm. and he he doesn't have a political vision. Mm -hmm. He has more ambitions, mm -hmm. and ambitions are not enough for me. And also, you know, um, I think he he needs more to uh, educate himself, his political party. He should know what's going on in in, in Iraq, in the around the world, and uh, he should not focus so much on very superficial stuff. And also, his uh, he is very much uh, in support of uh, further liberalization of the market in the Kurdistan region, mm -hmm. which is something I have. I have a concern about because further liberalization of the Kurdistan region and privatization has led the Kurdistan region to uh, 
a very uh, oil dependent society in which before it was a very somehow the Kurdistan region was somehow uh, um, like a self-reliant mm -hmm. society uh, so these are my my main concerns with regard to that yeah of course in, then such a system with uh, uh, such a uh, bad uh, public services and everything at the merge of collapse uh, of course uh, for the neoliberalization uh, I can't imagine what kind of uh, uh, tragedy that would bring okay thank you very much Kamal uh, Kamal was with us uh, 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 while he participated in a um, conference at the University of Toronto. Uh, conference was the first international Kurdish study symposium with the title of Curse, Displacement and uh, uh, Resilience. Uh, thank you again. Thanks for having me. Shall <laughs> we